Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. <laughs> Welcome to Burning Welcome to Hell, guys. I'm your host, Hannah Burner. We have a very special guest today by the name of Tank Sinatra. It's hot in here. That's what hell is. Exactly. You're going to start to sweat. Has anyone ever made that horrible joke on here before? Yeah. Really? Oh, can you delete this? No, I'm not going to delete it because you you said it and you have to own up to it. So I brought you here to talk about how <laughs> you are. <laughs> I brought you here to discuss. Great about... <laughs> start. <laughs> The point of the podcast is to talk about how you praise Satan. Okay. So, like, when did you first decide that you were going to praise Satan? There was something that happened in Northport in 1987, <laughs> and that's what first caught my attention. There was a guy, Bobby, who stabbed a kid to death. This is a true story, by the way. Really? It actually scared the shit out of me. I was that young. I was, like, seven or eight, and it happened a town over from me. I grew up in Comac in Northport. There was a kid who, at a party, like a weird party, stabbed somebody to death in front of like 20 people screaming Satan the whole time. Wow. Ricky. And Ricky that was, kid his was name. you? Did I say Bobby? I don't know. Ricky Bobby? I, Ricky Bobby. It was Ricky Bobby. Shake and bake. When in doubt. I love Satan. Wow, you're really good at voices. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, <laughs> you might, Tank Sinatra might sound familiar to you. He is one of the top meme pages on Instagram or one of my favorites at least. Mm. Also, he has Tank's Good News which we'll get into because that's pretty freaking cool. And also, he's the author of a book called Happy is the New Rich. Oh, I forgot about that. That was a couple years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I did some research. I'm finding out new things. Yeah. He also has a new podcast out called Think Tank that I was on. So you yeah. should check it out if you want to hear me talk more shit. Um, why, what's wrong with the book? Why are you acting like that? You know what? At, at one point in my life, that was like the biggest thing going. And mm -hmm. Literally a couple months later, somebody asked me about it, and I like totally forgot that I wrote it because everything else just got so crazy. But do you still stand by it and believe? Of everything course. You okay, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. like, oh, that time in my life. No, no, no. So that that book was actually written over like ten years, so it wasn't a time in my life. The problem that I have with the book is that it was so I jotted down notes for like ten years. Mm -hmm. I, if I had a thought that I thought was helpful to me later, like if I thought I was going to need that later and I didn't want to forget it, or if I thought it might help somebody else, I wrote it down and emailed it to myself. And these thoughts weren't like for your stand-up. They're not like joke thoughts. They're just like life thoughts. They, so the problem is for an average, healthy, well-adjusted adult, these things are probably common sense, mm -hmm. but they weren't for me. Why do you think that? Well, that was kind of a joke because there's <laughs> not anybody out there who's healthy and well-adjusted. Um, but as I was figuring life out in terms of like relationships and money and faith and family and friendship and mm -hmm. my own health and just everything was like, every time I had an, uh, an aha or a light bulb moment, I wrote it mm -hmm. down cause I did not want to forget it. I call them epiphanies. Epiphany. I was going to say revelation, but revelation makes it sound like it's bigger yeah. than it is. It's I just sometimes like you're, you, you're confused about <clears throat> something and then life gives you some kind of sign and things make sense for a millisecond yeah. and it's great to capture those moments that things make sense but if you if you don't capture them they're gone if i don't write down an, a note period i'll never remember any thought do you know that i've been i've actually gone to write something down so i was driving a while ago and i went to write something i, I thought of something and i couldn't write right away and i was like all right I'll, I'll get it and then it was gone and then i thought of another thing i was like oh i'm gonna write that down then the other thing popped into my head by the time <laughs> i finished writing the second thing that occurred to me the first thing was fucking gone again that's what happens when i try to form sentences when i'm high yeah so i don't smoke yeah i i think hell is where all the thoughts that you forgot and they're on the tip of your tongue actually live yeah that would be horrible overall what's the point of the book genesis of the book was i wanted to get all of these things in one place so that 
obviously it's a little morbid to think like this. I typically don't, but I mm-hmm. have a son, two sons now. If I fucking die, I want everything I know about being a good person in one place so he can define good person. <clears throat> Trying to be better, aware, mm. decent. Consider- it's like we talked about. You're not a narcissist if you question if you're a narcissist. Like, if you're trying to not be a narcissist, you're probably not a narcissist. Yeah, if you, if you can be considerate and respectful of yourself and other people, I think you're doing really At good. some point, do you feel like you weren't? So, when I was living in California, which is when Happy as the New Rich was born, because I had, like, I had literally zero dollars. The IRS came, I had a whole bunch of whatever that I... F- I honestly thought didn't apply to me. I was just like, they'll figure it out. Yeah, you were like Michael <laughs> situation. You're <laughs> Joe Judice. <laughs> Good thing you're American. <laughs> They'd call me. And I'd be like, you guys figure it out. They don't need me. <laughs> and uh, and they took all my money. And which was, was it their, a lot? Which was their money. It was a few thousand dollars, but it was like everything I had. And I was across the country from where I. What lived. were you doing for a living at the time? So I went out there just to be out of my comfort zone. Was like the the impetus for going, but I was selling mortgages, but it was in 2009 and the mortgage crisis had just happened and I was selling loans, but they weren't funding them. It was a nightmare. So I was just waiting tables. I was working, but kind of not like I wasn't going anywhere in this job. And, uh, and I was exercising, going to the beach, tanning, dieting. I was just like fully consumed. Doing laundry, gym tan laundry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gym tan laundry eat. So then (laughs) I, I went back to the therapist that I was seeing before I went there who actually helped me build up my self-esteem enough to go do something like that. And I came Mm -hmm. back and he's like, he's like, you sound like you're doing great. It seems like you may have developed like a little bit of a narcissistic streak while you're out there. So just watch that and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get you acclimated back here or whatever. Interesting. So I go back two weeks later, sit down. Hey, how's it going? Boom. So I've been thinking about what you said about my narcissism. And he looks at me and he goes, no shit. As in, it's narcissistic of you to think about it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you've been thinking about yourself for two weeks? You're kidding. I couldn't have seen that coming. So what does he define, like, a narcissism streak? Like, what's the difference between a streak of narcissism and being a full-on narcissist? Well, streak is is temporary and probably conditional, and narcissism as a a personality characteristic is inborn and... Mm. Much harder to shake. So maybe you were really working on yourself, so you got a little obsessed with yourself in yeah, the process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when people say they're depressed when someone they love dies, it's like, you're not, I mean, you're sad. Depressed, conditional, conditional depression, conditional anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. if you have a reason to feel those, like, to feel those emotions, like, you're probably okay. I know it doesn't make it any better when you're in it, but at least it's not, like, no light at the end of the tunnel and no cause. Mm-hmm. When the cause you can pinpoint, it's, like, a lot, I find it's a lot easier to deal with. When you're just... I've uh, I've been an anxious person my entire life. Finally now starting to get a handle on that by like doing a shitload of work and really, really paying attention to my thoughts and not, I'm just not a slave to my mind anymore. Like my mind was my master. Now I'm the master. Now this is what I love to talk about because we got into it on your podcast. Yeah. You've learned how to conquer intrusive thoughts. Ooh. And I fucking love talking about intrusive thoughts. A lot of comments on thoughts. that. Really? On my, yeah, from, from the people that listen to it from me. A lot of comments. People for, are like, for my listeners, yeah. can you define intrusive thoughts? Because <clears throat> this is fascinating to me. Have you ever talked about it on here? Nope. No one I've ever spoken to has talked about it on here. Did you know they were a thing before? Well, I suffered from them. Yeah. So but I, I didn't know it was them at the time. Yeah. Sorry for pointing at you with my Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Get that DD out of here. <laughs> so intrusive thoughts, in my experience, are thoughts that kind of come out of nowhere and are so disgusting or violent or scary that they scare you and then it starts the cycle of what if I am the person that's capable of doing what I'm thinking about. When I was younger, the first intrusive thought I had was that I was scared and I I think we had to do this on the podcast, like we had to pretend it's the 90s because it's not funny if you don't say it like this. I I was scared that I was retarded Mm -hmm. and nobody would tell me. And even if they did, I wouldn't understand it because I was retarded. So I asked my mom once, I'm like, mom, would you say that uh, people think I'm like slow? And she goes, what the hell are you talking about? And I was like, uh, forget it. Forget it okay. <laughs> that was, that was the first one. And you think that they're just being nice to you because you're retarded. Or, or like they don't want to tell you because they're scared that they're going to hurt your feelings. And by the way, we're using the R word as if he really thought he was <clears throat> retarded. He's not calling someone a retard who's not retarded. No. Plus it was the 90s, so it was like... It was okay. Very different. <laughs> I was telling you, my my intrusive thoughts were when I was playing tennis. It's almost like 
Mm. It stemmed from anxiety because I'd That's think right. of the scariest possible thing that could happen. Yeah. So I'd be like, imagine if I can't serve anymore. And then I would believe it. Then I'd go on the court. And, and your brain, I always say, doesn't hear negative. So if I say, don't double fault, it just hears double fault. Yeah. So I would like believe these intrusive thoughts. And I was so scared that if the intrusive thought came, then I, I had to believe it. Like I couldn't face it. Yeah. And that was because I was just like so not in touch with my own voice. Yeah. Do you find that you were like not in touch with your own voice? Like why oh, do you think yeah. the intrusive thoughts affected you so bad? Because I thought they were, I thought they were going to become real things. And if they became real things, I'd be in a lot of trouble. But what's confusing is, Intrusive thoughts are terrible, like that you might hurt someone or hurt yourself. Like it's like when you're waiting on the subway and sometimes you're like, I could jump. Or I could push I that won't. person on. Yeah. Push that person on the track. It's like I won't, but That's I a could. very, very probably one of the most common ones in New York City. Is the train. People thinking on the subway platform, if I what if I just push this person? <laughs> now you're making me not want to stand near the yellow line ever. Well, the 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 good part about intrusive thoughts, and I researched this because I I was scared. I actually almost didn't because I didn't want to get the answer. Intrusive thoughts are also called harm OCD or pure OCD because there's no outward expression of them. So there's literally zero cases of anybody ever acting on an intrusive thought. There are episodes of psychosis and rage and all that, but that's not intrusive thoughts. That's a different thing. So the problem with intrusive thoughts is you think you hear about some guy who kills his whole family in mm -hmm. the news. Mm -hmm. And you think that's an <clears throat> intrusive thought he had. You think that's an intrusive thought, but it's not. It's a psychotic episode or something entirely different. So the fact, so your response to the thought tells you everything you need to know about yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you have a thought and you reel from it, you're not going to do it. You know, mine might have not been intrusive. It was intrusive thought to an extent, but it was also just like an OCD anxiety thought. It is an OCD, yes, of course. Because I would act on it like I would not believe that I could serve and I double fault. <laughs> but like the whole like causing harm or like being like I could jump. Yeah, you could do anything. Yeah. But then those are the negative sides of the mind's creativeness. The positive sides is I believe that like your life is literally controlled by how creative you can be. Like if you didn't even think of starting a meme account yeah. back in the day, your life wouldn't be what it is. No. So it's like that mind is so beautiful and so dangerous at the same time. Yeah, it's why they say though the mind makes a great tool but a lousy master. True. Yeah. And I think it's important to differentiate why you're getting the intrusive thoughts. Like why did you think you were getting them? Like what was the anxiety that was causing them? I know that's a very, very deep question. It's not it's it's not that it's deep. I think it would be impossible for me to pinpoint where it came from. It just yeah. came from a lifetime of being uh, parenting is like difficult. Very difficult. Only because typically unless you're like a teenage mom which has its own set of problems Normally, by the time you're old enough to have kids, you completely forgot what it's like to be a kid. Mm. Completely and totally forgot. So you act as if you're a different, even though you were one of those at one point. And, you, and I remember standing on a table and being like, get off, why? Why get <laughs> off? Like, I don't understand. Yo, this table is fun. But as a parent, you're like, get off the table. And you don't even know why you're telling them to get off the table. So it's like, you're, and because you're going to fall and die. That's what a parent, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was raised by... Um, a fearful mother who not fearful. She was just, she was scared we were going to get hurt because she loved us. Mm -hmm. But it was, I think a little bit more fear than love. I don't know. I'm not sure. I have no idea. I know that mine is more fear than love. Mm -hmm. So people that are angry or raised to be angry by angry parents will spend their life looking outside of them for reasons to be angry. So they justify their own anger. So they don't feel weird being angry. So if somebody's like, why are you in a bad mood? They'll go this or that. With anxiety or worry, it's the same thing. I was raised to be a naturally fearful person, so I would look at things outside of me to be fearful of. So if somebody was like, why are you so scared? I'd go, because of that. But really, I only noticed that because of what I have going on inside. It's so funny. My friend who's very <clears throat> anxious to start dating this guy, and she's in one of those places where she calls me all the time and she's like i don't i don't know if he's gonna text me back i don't know if he's gonna call me back i think he's gonna end it with me and i'm like dude what is your problem and i realized like she, they have no problem they're good she's just putting all her anxiety into him it's like me i put my, all my fear and anxiety into tennis yeah. tennis i started playing during 9 11 and didn't get therapy after 9 11 so instead the world was scary to me, but instead I was like, no, tennis is scary. Yeah, this is a place where at least you have some control over what you do. Exactly. Some. And that's really, that's, I think, at the crux of it is the majority of people's issues is 
<clears throat> Tony Robbins talks about how life needs to be both predictable and unpredictable for people to feel safe. Mm. You need to have a level of predictability, meaning like when you walk out of your house, you go to your car, it's going to start. But un unpredictability, meaning like you just said, where the brain is a beautiful thing, like anything could happen today. But if you switch those, <laughs> fucking Ooh. nightmare. Mm -hmm. that's what happens in the mind of somebody who's worried. Like the thing that can go wrong will definitely go wrong. And this stuff that happened, <clears throat> I think that there's like on a scale of a hundred in a day, week, month, year, lifetime, whatever, 10% of the things that are going to happen to you are going to be absolutely ecstatic, joyful. 10% are going to be tragic. I don't even think 10%. I think it's more like probably one or 2% mm -hmm. on either end. Mm -hmm. And the 95% in the middle is gray area that your perception determines how you so the fact that I made it here safe today, I actually, I'm to be honest with you, celebrating a little bit. Well, you city biked here, and when you when I asked <laughs> you, did you city that. bike? I was like, I would never city bike. I'm a, I'm scared of biking cars. I don't like that stuff. I grew up in New York City, just watching crazy cab drivers. I feel like it's a death sentence if I were to rent a city bike. So yes. The fact you did it, I'm like, that's cool. His perspective wasn't scared, but I would never, I would never. It's not that I wasn't scared. It's because I. Uh, it was. It's a little crazy out there. You're not like. You're not <laughs> totally wrong for feeling that way. And then as a as a pedestrian, I know I almost run into them all the time. Oh yeah, because I'm on my phone texting. Yeah. <laughs> I know people are so. There's there's too many people in New York City for people to not be paying full blown aggressive attention to their surroundings. Mm -hmm. And I am so I keep myself good. Like I see shit going on from like a thousand meters away and mm -hmm. ten minutes away. Like I'm very aware of my surroundings. I'm You're like a, very, a cat. Very observant. I have to be. I, not that I have to be because there's danger. I just, I found that I've lived a lot more life because of that. Like I've had a lot more, I've, I've lived just more life in general because I always pay attention to everything. Well, it's funny how me and you met. I went to say hi to Sunny Side Up, who we had on the podcast. What up, Sunny? What up, Sunny? And I noticed you when I came in, you noticed me. You could have been at your computer like fucking around on an email yeah. and you were like hey nice to meet you what's your deal yeah so you're you are a very open person and it's funny that's a perspective of the brain too you saw it as an opportunity to meet someone where someone else could have seen it as an opportunity for someone to annoy them while they were trying to get work done yeah no no way but that gray area in the middle is so interesting because with tennis i was so addicted to the high yeah so when i was the high of and what? the high was like of winning of winning so when it was the high let's say it's five percent winning and the gray is like practicing and the other five percent is losing I just wanted the high. So it's like, that's not how you get happiness. Happiness is the gray area is the journey. Yeah. And if you can learn that, like, I don't think happiness is being really happy. Happiness is contentment. Yeah. Well, the feeling it's of like a calm. the feeling of achievement comes from achieving goals and accomplishment, but that's not happiness. Happiness is enjoying the process. I also think when you find the right person, you don't, like there is that happiness, but you feel that like calmness of contentment around them. What do you mean? Like a romantic? Yeah. Yeah. Like I haven't found that yet, but I feel like the dudes I've dated, sometimes like they cause me anxiety and stress. And my parents have the most boring, nice relationship. And Amazing. I'm like, I think I'm searching for finding a, someone who gets the calmness inside me. Yeah. That's you. Ha I mean, because there's a lot of people that cause fires inside me, like oh, passion, lust. But I want someone who makes me feel safe. Yeah, you're asking for it. If you marry somebody who's exciting, good luck. I just want to watch like the Knicks and eat Mexican. Meeting somebody who's exciting is different than being excited by somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 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 my wife was brought that calm, but I was also very excited that I found the calm, and I wanted to do everything I could to make sure that that flame stays stayed and stays and exciting can get boring all the time i dated a guy who was like the funnest how fucking crazy i'm sorry to finish oh. it's just crazy what you were just about to say but go ahead <laughs> i dated this guy who's like the most fun guy in his friend group and i started dating him and he was like a puppy dog like he was really hot and cute not the puppies i think are hot that's weird i'm not sexually attracted to puppies but it was sure. a cute little puppy <laughs> and he's just like hyper wants to play wants to play wants to play and at first i'm like he's so fun and then i was like dude i'm gonna put you in your in, in your the, cage in my in your cage and leave me the fuck alone like he wouldn't stop and he just wanted to always have fun and it was fucking exhausting and i i tapped out yeah, i was like i can't do so this cute at 2 he's not cute he's not cute when he's poking me at 2 a.m yeah i need my beauty sleep yeah no it's not so boring is exciting and exciting is boring and also, that's what it you need to mind. find the right kind of exciting for you. Yeah. Like, I think it's exciting when someone has good taste in murder documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
sorry that I want to figure out why murders happen. <laughs> it's purely research. Intrusive thoughts. <laughs> no, I mean, like, those are a hot topic right now, and they won't be in probably, I mean, three years. You think it's just like generous. a trend? 100%. But, okay. It's, it's nothing but that. Making a Murderer started it. Mm -hmm. Very successful. Netflix paid attention to the results, I'm sure, and started yeah. dumping money. They are exciting. I think they were always exciting, but it just became more socially acceptable, and then memes kind of took them to the next level. Yeah. Have you watched those terrorist uh, docus, the, the terrorism doc, like near misses terrorism? No, but I want to. Oh, my God. You, I mean, you should, I guess, but they are really It's scary. also desensitized me to just like normal romantic comedies because it's like a documentary but then also there's a sickness to it. And I joke that it like, no matter how bad my day is, I'm always like, well, my day could have been worse. <laughs> Whatever happened in this documentary today. But it also, back to intrusive thoughts, I once had a- There's an intrusive yeah, thought. Yeah, <laughs> that was an intrusive thought. You ever like have a terrible dream yeah. and it like fucks up your perspective? Like I had a dream that my friend got hit by a car yeah. and I woke up and I was like, does everyone realize at any time we could get hit by a car? Like I could get hit by a car today. But most of the time, that's not top of your brain. No. Most of the time, you're riding your city bike like, oh, I wonder if we talk about this podcast. It's really <clears throat> like, how do you shift perspective <clears throat> when you're going through hell to not have those thoughts like control you? So in my lifetime, I've been very fortunate and misfortunate, to unfortunate, depending on who you ask. I'll, this was a, a defining moment for me. When I was in college, I was, let's say, 19, 20, mm -hmm. and my roommate at the time was the same age, and he had never been to Awake in his entire life. And I had been to like six at that point already. Oh, shit. Like friends, family. In Long Island? Yeah. My friend got hit by a car when I was 12. He died. My friend's mother died when I was 14. Like my best friend, he lived right around the corner. His Damn. house burnt down. There's just, there was a lot of different things that happened. That adds fear to you. It's not fear. I mean, so, so the thing with death is that everyone, when somebody dies, has a period of like appreciation. Yeah. And that's what I was going through. I was having periods of appreciation. They got longer and longer with each death. But then when I got sober at age 22 and three people died in my life very close to me, very suddenly, very tragically, that never left. Like the, the, the feeling of being grateful that I woke up today has not left I in think 16 years. That's the word, gratefulness. And yeah. that's the perspective. Me, when I went through depression for like seven months, yeah. Now, like, I'm dealing with a TV show, and I have my podcast, and, like, at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck how my podcast does, I don't give a fuck how the TV show does, I give a fuck that I wake up and I'm happy. Yeah. And, like, so I'm just grateful that, like, I have an apartment, I'm doing what I like, but ultimately I can get out of bed. Well, so I think that that word gratitude, it has a bad time in this world because people abuse it mm. and misuse it, and they talk, I'm... The grad, like, fucking act like it then, you douche. What are you talking? What is this video that you're like? What are you doing? Some Go people, do I something. think, with social media, they like to brag about gratefulness. Like, I'm so grateful that I'm on this vacation that I can show off. For that's everyone. great. I mean, that's honestly, that's good. I'm not even trying to be a dick. That's good. But I've what the, one of the major changes that happened in my life is that emotions I was taught are verbs. If the emotion you're feeling is not a verb, then you're full of shit. So if you say you love somebody, but you're not loving them actively, you're full of shit. If you say your gratitude, but you're not putting it into action, you're full of shit. It's not, there's nothing, it's not right or wrong, but it messes up the perception of it for everyone else. Cause you hear this word, like the word alcoholic when I was in seventh grade, mm -hmm. took me a long time to get over that because I had an image in my little 12 year old mind of what an alcoholic was. So when I was one later, it was like, I'm not that, I'm not what I thought an alcoholic was when I was 12. I had to have my mind blown wide open and see that. How did you finally realize you were an alcoholic? <clears throat> It's very simple criteria. Tell me. <laughs> you just hung over every day? So I, uh, I, I used to have a joke. So there's 10 questions on the back of this pamphlet. Okay. If you, get, if you answer yes to three of them, um, you have a definite problem with alcohol. Okay. I think there should be one question, and that question is if you have ever peed in your pants <laughs> as a result of drinking too much alcohol, you have a definite problem and you should go to a meeting like tonight. But like college, every that's like, you're the coolest if you have a story like that. Like, dude, well, no, just... this is not Billy Madison. Don't try and Miles Davis. <laughs> like, I went to University of Wisconsin. Everyone was cold. Like peeing your pants probably felt nice at the end of the night. If you're in a blackout. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a little problem. It could be problematic. I'm not Binge trying to drinking diagnose. is so acceptable. No, I mean, look at Summer House. It was so much but drinking. But even so, 
I guess maybe we should probably talk about this off the air. But on that show, there is yeah. definitely some drinking that is, in my opinion, problematic. There is. Not from 100%. everybody, but there is a person on that show that I'm <laughs> yeah. like, man, I hope that person, that androgynous, neither male nor female yeah. person. Well, gets- <laughs> I think I think once your drinking starts to affect your personal relationships, that's when. So here's the defi- the criteria that yeah. that I, that most people use to diagnose themselves because that's the problem with alcoholism is that you can't be diagnosed by somebody. As a matter of fact, the more somebody tries to diagnose you, the more you dig into the fact that you're not. And one of the symptoms of the disease is denial. So fucking figure that out. (laughs) And also you're fun. So then that's confusing too. So if you obsess about drinking when you're not drinking, and then once you start, you can't stop of your own will, you're in major danger. So when you weren't drinking, it was top of mind? Uh, Yeah. So there was times during the day where I wasn't thinking about it. But once that obsession kicked in, that is all I could think about. And I used to get so excited to drink. More excited than I've ever been for like a Christmas. It's funny because I like hate drinking and I get jealous of people who who are so pumped to drink. I'm like, I wish I liked something as much as they did. And I wish this like drink could make me as happy as they did. But like it's because I'm Italian. I just like to eat all the time. Yeah. Well, that's the up and upside and downside. The upside is that it's very exciting and it feels good. The downside <laughs> is that if you do get that excited about something, it's probably going to turn on you. Well, it's funny because with the eating disorders, it's just whether you're anorexic or like binge eating or bulimic. Yeah. You're just obsessed with food, whether it's not eating it or eating it or waiting to eat it or throwing it up. Like it's all just putting all your other anxiety into something. So you're putting into drinking, putting into food, putting it into tennis. But the reality is, is you had to work on some real shit like drinking. That's what we've talked about on Summer House. Some people are like, drinking's not the issue. It's, you know, this or that or that. I'm like, yeah, but the drinking is just like. It has become an issue. <laughs> and once you fix that, then you could work on the next steps. Well, you have to remove the thing that numbs you to your life, to deal with your life. So was it hard to get sober at 22? That's young. It was, um, it, 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 was, it was just time and it was necessary. It was neither hard nor easy. It was just happening and that was it. That was the only way I was going to move forward. I knew, from, I knew my entire life that I drank problematically. And you're Irish, right? Irish and German, yeah. That shit's in your blood. Goodbye. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could handle it. Well, I couldn't. I could drink a lot. I bet. But when I explain to people, like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm always trying to, like, relate things in my life to better understand what the fuck I'm doing or try to understand what I'm doing. And a friend of mine asked me a couple of months ago who, he was like, do, he's like, do you miss it? And I didn't get, obviously, I'm, I've been asked that question a million times, so yeah. I don't feel any kind of anger or anything when people ask me that. But like my answer was like, honestly, dude, like miss what? What like what about the way that I drank do you think that I miss? Crashing my cars, having no money, living at home, being fucking bloated, almost dying. Like does that me the my when I hear the word drinking, like I never went out for a drink. When I hear people talk about like You didn't have a nice red with a paired with a nice meat. No. (laughs) Nice red. When I, like, people will go out for a drink or for drinks, I went out drinking. Yeah. Like it was a sport. Yeah. That was my And you were going to be the best at it. I was going to do the most of it, for sure. But, like, I would go out. I wouldn't have, if I could keep it, swear to God, if I could keep it to six to eight drinks, I would drink. That's so many drinks (laughs) for a normal person. (laughs) That's, yeah. But I would have, like, 20 in a night. Yeah. That's absurd and that's why people that have that problem die often of that problem do you think you were close to death i think we're always close to death i had a a couple of like accidents and falls that could have gone a lot worse yeah yeah i remember being at university of maryland and being drunk and uh there was a steep hill behind like this shopping center on one of the like the main strip and you feel invincible yeah, that's part of the problem too. But I was just running down the hill and I lost my footing and I, I was running big steps and I'm big. I'm like 230, 225, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. at this time. And I'm Boulder. running. Boulder. And, I, and I, I go forward. I take my last step. My foot doesn't come forward. And I just go on my face right here. And the worst part is I had no idea what happened when I woke up the next morning. I woke up late for work. I called work. I said, "Oh my god, I'm, I, I, I didn't. I, I just woke up. I think I got beat up last night. I don't know what's happening. I had no idea. Yeah, that 
is enough. Like, fuck, no, I don't miss it. No. Don't miss that. And that's what, that wasn't a one-time thing. That was like the way things were going. And yeah. it's a progressive disease, so it was just going to get worse and worse. And I had to make a decision that I was not going to be, I was not going to live that way. I was going to do, I'm doing, I still do everything I can to make sure that, that it's not drinking that I'm scared of now. Like that would be what we call a relapse. It's yeah. not drinking that scares me. It's getting to a place in my life where I think drinking is a good idea. Mm. That's what, that's the predecessor to the relapse. The drinking is like right now seems like an, an, an impossibility because yeah. of the, all the work that I do. Yeah. So you think work really helps distract you? No, no, I'm not saying work. I'm saying oh, like, like the, the work you've the done. Spiritual to... and emotional and psychological work that I do. It's about the actual emotional. You have to, because it's a ticking time bomb. And if I want to live a nice long life, I don't want that bomb to ever go off. So unexpectedly. You, you're a big dude. You got into <laughs> bodybuilding. <laughs> so you're pretty fucking jacked. And, uh... <laughs> so you're running really fast down that hill. Um, you're a bodybuilder. Yeah, I guess. Like how long? Like, was this after you got sober? No, I started working out when I was 13. Oh, shit. Why? Because um, I was fat and I saw pumping iron. Oh, you're a little fat kid? Yeah, fat, blonde. That's why you have a good personality. You're probably so cute. You probably have the cutest little cheeks. <laughs> 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 you're laughing because I'm right. Everything in my life turned out okay. All the stuff that I struggled with turned out just fine. Like, I hated being fat. But I had to develop a personality to compensate for the the societal constructs of beauty that did not favor me why'd you get all tatted up it's like your your aesthetic um i like tattoos the most honest answer is i think they look cool uh, is there one with a good meaning five oh. on my wrist what does that mean five is just a very lucky number for me why i was born on september 5th there's five people in my family there's five letters in my last name. The house I grew up in was a five. Uh, my parents' wedding anniversary is five five. My May fifth, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> my my number, like there's a number where you take all the digits of your birthday and add them up until yes. you get to one number, is five. <sighs> and I fucking love five. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's so special to me. I don't know why. I literally favor the number five more than almost not just the other numbers but mm -hmm. like more than like i like the, the number five more than i like some people <laughs> honestly it's beautiful what's your favorite movie five I like five. five. <laughs> what's your favorite color five five i just love it my favorite movie is actually i heard huckabees i want to get that on the record burner phone is brought to you by progressive insurance what if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast with progressive it is just visit the progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want you'll see progressives direct rate then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare all you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Okay. I Have didn't, you seen that yet? I didn't ask you about that. Did we talk about I it? I don't want to know about it. Oh, why? I'm just kidding. What it's, what's it about? It's the best movie ever why? made. Why? Why? <clears throat> it's just incredible. It's about, so Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin are existential detectives in this movie. Jason Schwartzman and Mark Wahlberg are like fucking wacky, can't figure shit out, like like um, breaking down. Jude Law and Naomi Watts. Good cast. Unbelievable cast. Unbelievable movie, unbelievable story. Jonah Hill is in it as a kid in the family that they go to visit when they go see the African guy. So Jason Schwartzman has this coincidence that he wants to figure out. So he hires existential detectives, but Part of the process is you give them unfettered access to your life. You never know what's the key to your existence, so we have to watch you do everything. Sounds like Facebook. <clears throat> in, yeah, exactly. This is, <laughs> I think it came out before Facebook. Wow. Yeah. In the process, they come across one of their students who left them and went to the dark side. So the, the reason I love the movie, Dustin Hoffman's part in The Office where he's explaining this to Dustin Hoffman, he's uh, explaining the blanket thing to Jason Schwartzman. And he holds up a blanket and he goes, all right, so here in this blanket is all the matter and energy in the universe. Jason Schwartzman goes, what's outside the blankets? More blankets. That's the point. Every, this is everything. And he goes, over here, we have a cheeseburger. Over here, here's you. Here's me. Here's the Eiffel Tower. Here's the Super Bowl. 
and blah, blah, blah. And all the stuff is in the blanket because it's all connected. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he gets it and then Dustin Hoffman goes to put him in this little bag for him to like do this mental exercise. And he goes, he goes, once you get the blanket thing, you can relax. So Jason Schwartzman goes, why? Why do I have to get the blanket thing? And Dustin Hoffman goes, because once you get the blanket thing, everything you could ever want and be, you already have and are. And he goes, wow, that sounds cool. So I believe Ryan Holiday has this website called The Daily Stoic that Mm -hmm. he runs and he sends out emails. Ooh, stoicism. Fucking awesome. That's powerful. He's so good. Ryan Holiday takes that ancient philosophy and brings it into like modern day. Can you remind people what stoicism means? <clears throat> well, it's just a it's a school of philosophy that is. Um, it was kind of like what I did with Happy Is the New Rich. I just wrote myself notes. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't trying to put something together. I was just writing myself reminders of things that I struggled with to check back in on later. It's kind of like that gray area we talked about. Yeah, ninety percent in the middle. And you have Epictetus, Seneca, um, Marcus Aurelius. Some of the, these guys were slaves. Poor people, kings, thats it's like a unifying philosophy that just teaches you how to go through life and not get too excited or upset by anything. Not to numb yourself and be a flatliner, but to like enjoy the right things and minimize the things that don't actually matter. So I believe, and this is something that I think about all the time, like if you, like to me and you are separate right now, mm-hmm. right? To somebody out there in the office, we are in this room. So mm-hmm. we're together already in their mind. If you go outside of this office into the hallway, I'm sorry, like out, out onto the street, we're just all part of this unit called the building. Not separate anymore at all. If you go to the west side, now we're Midtown or whatever this mm-hmm. whatever this area is called. Mm-hmm. You go to Long Island, this is Manhattan. You go to Kansas, this is New York. You go to Germany, this is America. You go to Mars, this is Earth. Mm-hmm. We are all fucking connected. I don't care what you say about anything. That's just spatially. If you go 30 years in the future, we're just people that were alive in 2019. So if you take a long enough look at anything, it is all connected. You cannot, you can argue it, sure, but you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So when I saw that movie and he explained how we were all connected, I was like, man, that's absolutely true. Let's say I'm- Does it make you feel less alone? It makes me feel everything all at once. It makes me feel more individual and more unique. It also makes me feel more a part of a group that I have to contribute to. Mm. So you're a body, your right arm is as essential to your body as your liver is. You couldn't do, you, you couldn't do this thing that you're doing living without all the pieces. Does the right arm get mad at the liver when the liver steals blood and the right arm goes numb? Maybe, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but shit happens and sometimes you need to trade off. So when one person, like when I'm having a good day and you're having a bad day or vice versa, it shouldn't be a point of contention. It's just part of coexisting the way it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My question to you is after you stop drinking and you're feeling every emotion now, you can't Everything. numb anything. Yeah. So how did you go from like, Ugh. were you highly sensitive? Because it's true. Super. I love the idea of stoicism of like nothing makes you too happy or sad. You're just loving coexisting with the world. Yeah. So how did you handle that once you're sober? It's, it's, it must, really, it's tough. Yeah, it's hard. Like you feel sadness, you feel pain, you feel nerves. All of it. And even if you're only, let's say, on a scale of 1 to 10 for a normal person, you're at a 1, it feels like a 10 to you because it's the first time you feel like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a book called... I mean, talking to girls, was that like a different kind of experience when you're at the bar? Yeah, yeah, because it worked when I got sober. It did not work when I was drinking. Because I'd be so drunk. You're probably so fucking annoying. Ugh. I'd be so drunk. I'd be like, I'm going to go talk to her after this drink. Oh, I'm almost done with this drink. I should finish this one. Oh, I'm just gonna... And then if I go over there with a half drink, I have to buy her a drink. I don't have a lot of money. So I'm just going to, eight drinks later, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> fucking disaster. Thank God I was somewhat handsome. And I got a little bit of a pass. So it helped your relationships when you were sober. Yeah, it made them, it didn't help them. It made them possible. They were not, easier nor harder they were impossible or possible do you feel like because you clearly have an addictive personality that there was other things like i know a guy who stops drinking but now he smokes weed 24 7 like was there anything else that you like started getting addicted to so when i did stop drinking i I continued to smoke pot Mm -hmm. and that was not that's not going to work no it can work for a temporary span of time but that's not going to work long term and like i said before because you're still numbing yourself in a way right you're avoiding the issue which is you have no idea how to live 
That's the problem. It's not it, the drugs, like you said, the drugs, the drinking are not the problem. The problem, you don't have a drinking problem. You have a not drinking problem. That's the basis of it. You're so right. So when you are a numb, like a walking nerve, that's why losing three people to like having three people die in that first year was so um, pivotal because it, it hit. I mean, I felt it. I felt everything, every single thing. And there's a story, there's a book called The, the Brain, The Story of You about a guy, it's about how the brain works. It's fascinating. I'm definitely not smart enough to understand everything <laughs> in it, but I got the point. Yeah. And there's all, the brain like handles different shit. So your eyes don't actually see, your brain sees what your eyes filter. So there was a guy who was blind and he was a, an Olympic skier, Paralympic skier, and he was a beast. Gold medal, gold medal, gold medal, crushing it. They use sound to, to like determine where the flags are so that they can like go. Wow. And um, so the part of his brain that processes what was coming, what would be coming through the eyes atrophied. So it didn't work anymore. It was gone. He's, he's, that's why people have good hearing because the brain will fill in with like compensate for make your hearing stronger or your taste stronger yeah. or whatever. So he had a surgery that reversed his blindness and it ruined his life. Ru absolutely ruined his life because now he could see but he could see everything and he couldn't handle it. He was sick. He would, th he was throwing up for like a month. It was like too much stimulation. Way too much. Cause you don't like, you, I mean, maybe you do realize, but there's 400 buttons on that thing over there. Mm -hmm. He saw that and it was like, he <clears throat> saw every fiber in the chairs. Like he could see everything. Like you're on drugs all the time. That sounds like a nightmare. So when you get sober, it's like that, but with your emotions. So you're feeling Ooh. everything, always. But you can. There's no other way to do it except to get through that and and equal out eventually. And it's so funny because both of those things you said is perspective. It's like I can look at the day just seeing the negatives. I could look at the day just seeing the positives. I could look at the day upset that I'm not happy enough or not sad enough. Yeah. Like it's literally just how you want to tell your story. But I think ultimately finding that ninety percent that you can feel comfortable in yeah that you don't feel like you have to like, get coping mechanisms for yeah, and you don't have to look at all positive or all negative i think a healthy balance is essential to feeling like you're contributing and participating in the actual world instead yeah. of just on one and having those other. highs and lows are important because once you have the lows then yeah. it makes being normal good once you have the highs it reminds you like oh there's hope for more highs in the future but you're not not happy because you're not experiencing that five percent high all the time no yeah that's that's like mania yeah, that stresses me out. That's like going to a fucking party every night. It's yeah, too it's much. too much. Like things have happened in my life where I like Drake, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of great lines. Yeah. About work and success. Because yeah. he's like, he was doing what, writing while he was living it or having other people write, whatever, whoever yeah. you ask. Mm -hmm. So he says, so, so get it while you're here, boy. Because all that hype don't feel the same next year, boy. And I'm on one. So I took that as like appreciate the little victories because that's it. That's everything. If I went from zero to invited to the Emmys, fucking shame on me for not taking the right steps to get there. You know what I mean? That's like getting your first car is a Ferrari. Good luck enjoying anything ever for the rest of your life. Well, it's kind of like, it's like child stars when you have so yeah. much fame and success early on. It's, it's unless if you realize that famous success isn't the ultimate. Yeah. But then you got to go happiness. really deep, like super deep, like almost <clears throat> like Jim Carrey is a good example yeah. of somebody who, I don't, I don't know if you know what I'm about to say. Been to hell and back. Has been to hell and back, went off the deep end, caught himself, but I think is going a little too far into the realm of the mm. immaterial now. I'm not, I know nothing about the guy. Disclaimer. I don't know Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. I love him. I would love to meet him and talk to him. But I remember when he first came out of kind of like what a hiding and he was like this. He had a beard. Yeah. People were like he was on the red carpet and they were like, you know, what are you doing here? He's like, well, there is no me and there is no here. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> and people kind of liked it. And he said some like good tweets. Yes. <laughs> well, he said, I hope everyone gets rich and famous so that you can see that it's not the answer. That right there is enough. 
for me. That's like, that's, if that's your whole life, boom, you nailed it. You killed it because obviously people won't, but you, you do find that achievement is one thing. Happiness is another achievement is different. So right. You're so right. I mean, I can say as someone who, if you told me- We are me, not burning in hell right now. We are thriving we're in thriving. heaven. We're thriving. If you told me five years ago, you're going to be on a TV show, like right after I quit tennis and felt like I was starting from the beginning with everything, yeah. I'd be like, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. And like, not that it's still a dream, but now I'm on a TV show. I'm Nothing transformed in me. I'm still the same girl sitting on the subway. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, now I'm working on maybe writing something. You're always going to have new shit you want to do. Yeah. Nothing is going to be the end all be all. What are you going to do? Start prancing around and butterflies and rainbows when one event happens? It's just like depression. Like, it's not you. It's a reaction to an event. Yeah. You is like your internal voice that you have to get control of that helps you be happy. I want to end with a final game. Seven Deadly Sins. And we're going to learn a little more about you. Not that we haven't learned enough. Gluttony. I love everything I've learned. Can you let me do it? Okay. Thank Envy? you. Frank. I mean, naming my... Frankie. <laughs> Frank. I like calling you Frankie. <laughs> Tank, short for Tansis. Mr. Tansis? Yep. What are you greedy about? Is nothing an answer? No. What am I greedy about? Time with people I love. Oh. Do you think you make enough time for the people you love right now? Yeah. I wish I could have more. What would you but say? That's greed, what would you say to young guys who are like all about their career right now and they're like, I don't have time to call my mom, I don't have time to see my girlfriend. Good luck. I spent a lot of time doing the spiritual and emotional stuff in my twenties, not working hard, and now that I'm doing okay, like I'm okay. Those guys may set themselves up financially when they're younger and yeah. they get to this stuff later on. Who knows? When did you feel like you kind of hit your stride with your career? What age? Uh, around 30. I was working for the Victorian fence out in Long Island selling fences. Oh, yeah. I was I was loving it. Are you not selling fences anymore? No. Now you're full-time on the gram? Full-time memer, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Respect. Also, it's, I like talking to you because how old are you? 38. You're not a millennial. I'm like the oldest millennial. On or, or you're the oldest. <laughs> and like you're in this game. Yeah. Do you feel like that gives you an advantage that you're like slightly older? and you're, Or what do you I, think? I think it's the way it needed to happen in my life. If this happened when I was 25, I would have absolutely ruined the opportunity. How so? I just, it would have changed who I thought I was. I think. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have. You think it would have gone to your head that you have yeah. like a million followers? Yeah. By the time that happened, I had a wife, kid. I remember when ABC Nightline did the piece on me right after this. So they did fuck Jerry, girl with no job, mm -hmm. and then me. And I was like, uh, okay, I uh -huh. guess I'm in the same, <laughs> not really, but I'll wear it, whatever. And I, I was so excited. And first of all, nobody stayed up to watch it with me. <laughs> Second of all, when I woke up the next morning, I had DVR'd it. And I was like, all right, as soon as everyone was up, I was like, you guys want to, you want to see daddy on TV? And my son was like, no. And he just went like. <laughs> Kept playing with Yo, what kids doing. keep you humble. I was like, oh, okay, so this shit doesn't matter. Got it. Got it. So you're more grounded with like getting the work done than the fun of being able to be like, I got a milli followers. Yeah. It, uh, listen, I felt it. I feel things. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not numb, but yeah. another stoic thing that I think about all the time is that like, the, I forget the exact phrase, but like the rock is not, when you throw a rock in the air, the rock is not changed up or down. It's still the same thing. I love that. So up or down, you're still the same. You got to try and like enjoy both. Enjoy the ups and the downs. And the realize downs, you're still a rock no matter how, if you're going down or going up, you're still that rock. Yeah. You are in fact the rock that was capable of going up in the first place. So Oof, it's powerful. It's powerful. <laughs> rock talk 101. <laughs> <laughs> My new podcast is about pebbles. Okay. Who are you envious of? And don't say no one. I don't take that shit. Well, uh, I'm going to have to break a rule here. And I'll tell you why. When I was younger, mm -hmm. I was envious of everybody. And I would have traded a place with anybody, not knowing their situation whatsoever. I just thought if you were not me, you had to have it better than me. I would not trade places with anybody on the planet. You know, it's so funny. When I was now, younger, when I was younger, I always thought my issues were <clears> like <throat> way worse than everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I feel of like because you're kind of in your own world when you're younger, but yours. I was like, they didn't just lose their tennis match. <laughs> like, it's, you're so stuck in your own head. They lost one last week. Where were you? You know, life is long. That's what I'm saying. Life is long and life is big. There's a lot of people I would not, I, I, I don't know if envious, I don't know, I wouldn't trade places with anybody. It's funny because the entertainment industry, there's so much like luck involved. And I have friends who are like, how come that person got that show? And I'm like, they're riding, like, life is waves. Yeah. They're on their wave right now. Yeah. You might not be on your wave, but your wave's coming. Calm down. Yeah. We're all in the fucking ocean. Yeah. It's like SpongeBob. What are you gluttonous about? <laughs> everything. <laughs> I love how you're greedy about nothing but gluttonous about everything. You're so. <laughs> well, gluttony I think of as like a physical experience, yeah. like food and sex and money yeah. and whatever. Like, yeah. <clears throat> I've gotten much better with the gluttony mm -hmm. over the years. Because you're like, if I like it, I want all of it. All of it. Every day or never again. Mm. You go you know? hard or go home. Yeah. But then I go hard for a certain period of time, and then I never want to do it again. Yeah. So I'm gluttonous literally about everything. It's just a matter of, like, how long am I going to be gluttonous about it? It's kind of like when a new song comes out, and you listen oh to it until you my hate God. it. <laughs> until the chorus makes you nauseous. In the shower. <laughs> you know how many fucking times I listened to that song? <laughs> I was... Oh my god! Yeah, I ruined that in like three days for me. I can't. About, I, I'm about the same. I heard it in the cab like yesterday, and I was like, "Why am I twitching?" Like I couldn't. <laughs> it was bad. I was like, "I'm not crying in a good way. I'm crying because I can't handle that chorus anymore." Oh man, that song. I, that's why I love. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm gluttonous. So if I had to pick one thing, yeah, because I try not to be gluttonous about food because there's a physical manifestation yeah, yeah, of it. Yeah. Fatter. I'm trying not to be gluttonous about other things. Yeah. But music. I am. A, a fucking gluttonous piece of shit <laughs> about music. I hate listening to music with other people because I can't play the three, the same three songs on repeat that yeah. I just want to do. Ugh, it's like my own problems. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath? Because you come across like um, a scary meathead. I know. You come across like some dude at the bar that like is like, you want to say some shit to me? <laughs> you want to say that again to my face? <laughs> You want to say that again to my infantile, angelic face? You fuck. Do you see a fucking pore on this skin? No, you don't. No, you don't. You want to say this to my baby face, bro? <clears throat> um, wrath. You had anger, right? You had of, anger. Of course. So I did get actually mad about something recently. Oh. If I get mad, it's because I did something wrong and I got <laughs> called out on it. Straight up. A hundred said. Your wife must love that. That's why I get mad. Because <clears throat> you want to get away with shit? No, because I don't like, like I'm so hard on myself uh, as it is. If somebody else notices something that I did wrong, it's like, you couldn't give me 30 seconds to figure that out. Now I got to think about it now. I wasn't ready. <laughs> Fuck. I know exactly how you feel because with tennis, I always did better with coaches who were like, don't worry about it. But the coaches that were like, you need to do this, 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 and this. I'm like, I can't take it. Yeah. Like, no shit. I know I have to bend my knees and the, that's why the ball keeps going in the net. Like, I know my footwork's lazy today. You don't have to fucking tell me. Yeah. Anyway, now I'm all worked up. Now you're wrapped up. Now I'm wrapped up. You eat the pain away. Yeah, it's true. I'm hungry, always. When was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something? How's your ego? How's it feeling? Um... I don't know. I, it would have to probably be something with my wife, mm. but I don't know. How, do you guys fight well? Yeah. What's your fighting strategy? Go for blood. <laughs> <laughs> You're like purely physical. <clears throat> no, I'm very, like when we're arguing, um, I'm very conscious of my energy mm -hmm. and the energy that I'm putting off. I know when my voice sounds more angry than I actually am. I know when mm. my eyes are starting to get that look where I'm like, because being mad and looking mad are two very different things. And if, if I assume that if she's reacting to me in a way that is like, okay, let's fight, I must look like I'm... Like the energy you're giving off. I'm, f I'm looking angrier than I actually also, am. Also, when you're calm and you say something powerful, yeah. there's nothing more effective. Yeah. And when you're yelling, they'll just feel the yell. They don't care what you're saying. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But I feel like relationships are so important. Like my parents fight well. My mom gets mad at my dad for doing something stupid. <laughs> he gets mad that she's mad and has to be grumpy for a couple hours yeah. until he ultimately goes back to her and says, I'm sorry, I was an idiot. That's how they fight. That's how they resolve things. It takes half a day 
Yeah. And that's just how it happens. <clears throat> Our fights now take a, like they're, they last literally minutes. Yeah. They're very, very quick. That's great. Because she's very aware and conscious of her actions and how she's coming across. And so am I. So. Cause no one wants to fight. Of course not. Like you're both trying to end the fight, but if your pride gets in the way too much, you're like, you keep trying to get the last word and then you end up. That's when blood gets involved. Yeah. Then you're on a Netflix documentary. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, hey, why'd you say that thing? <laughs> what? I don't remember, but it was not nice, and I'm still mad. Dane Cook had that funny joke back uh. in the day where he said, you know that you're in trouble when the woman starts agreeing with you in the fight, and she's just like, yep, yep, and she turns away, and she's going to whisper something that at first doesn't seem like a lot, uh. She'll t- and she'll say it. Just loud enough for you to hear. She goes, you're stupid like your father. <laughs> when you first hear it, you don't think of anything. You're just like, oh, stupid like your father. Whatever, go fuck yourself. But then like 10 minutes later, you're in the basement pacing like, my father was a brilliant man. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, yeah, women are mental terrorists. So My wife is actually not. She's really, mm-hmm. she's like... <clears throat> She doesn't like to fight. She doesn't want to fight. Aww. I have to say, if there was a fight that we've had in the last seven years, it was probably my fault. I can't pinpoint all the fights, but I know <laughs> that, like, I don't I don't mean to instigate. Anytime no. we've ever fought, it's because one or both of us were in a bad mood, and we happened to, like, agree uh. on something not being cool. Like, let's fight about this thing. Uh-huh. So if she's in a bad mood and I'm strong— we don't fight. If I'm in a bad mood and she's strong, we don't fight. If we're both in a bad mood, obviously we're fighting. Or if one is strong and the other one is weak, we're sucked into that vortex of literal nonsense. It's nothing. We're not arguing about anything of substance. I actually told, this is a major, major relationship key for your listeners. Mm-hmm. No memory arguments ever. Resign from the memory argument team. Mm. Never, ever argue about Ooh, you said this and I said that and you were doing this. Like and we keeping were, score and stuff. No, I mean, just like, well, you know, well, no, we were here when this happened and I, that's what happened. And I said that. And then you said oh. this. I remember. Oh, okay. Because I remember it differently. So obviously we're just like, you're speaking Spanish and I'm speaking Italian. Mm-hmm. We're arguing, but we're not like, we're never going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. So just never do that. Mm-hmm. Because there's no final answer. You can't change what you <clears throat> thought. And 99% of the time, there's no real desired outcome it's not like listen if you have to figure something out great but if it's like if you're trying to find where your keys were maybe that's helpful if it's seven o'clock and your wife told you last week that you had to be somewhere at seven and at seven o'clock and you're on the couch not ready to go it doesn't honestly doesn't fucking matter if you said it or not do i have to get ready or no like what (laughs) you know what i mean we're going to spend a half an hour arguing, so now we're even later. I like this chat because so much of the time we talk about, like, how do you find the person? It's about when you do find the person, you have to spend all fucking day with them sometimes and cope yeah. and deal with the moods. And, like, it's those little details that yeah. really are important. Yeah, you got, it's hard to be an adult. <laughs> Fuck being an adult. Last question. Be careful. When was the last time you lusted over someone? Well, that's definitely my wife. Oh, she hot? Yeah. Were you always attracted to her yeah when you saw her did you know she was marriage material um when i saw her first she was actually married already this is going back years she used to work with my sister oh wow at a spa in huntington i remember seeing her and i was like oh oh my god i have to get my eyebrows waxed again (laughs) or something what does she do (laughs) but she was unattainable she was she was uh married yeah yeah and then I wrote something. I had come back from California. I wrote something on Facebook. She commented on it, and it was like, oh, my God, I forgot you existed. Wow, Facebook. Wow. What's up? I didn't even recognize her name. I was like, who the hell is that? I clicked on it. I saw her face. I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe it's you. And then? I'm very conscious of my lustful feelings and directing them towards her because I know what can happen if I let them spray again controlling your mind you could have intrusive thoughts yeah no i don't i don't uh i guess i'm I'm also getting older you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm almost 40 i'll be 39 even though you have the face of a ripe (laughs) three-year-old 
He's glowing. You guys can't see his skin, but he glows. Yeah, they can probably hear it. <laughs> like a light bulb that's about to go out. But I do think it's important. My Nana, who is um, going to be on Summer House, <clears throat> she's on Instagram. Nana still got it. You should follow her. She's great. Um, she's 78. Wow. She's hot. And I said, what's your biggest advice for staying with Papa since you were 18? I was that like fucking 60 years or something. She goes, you got to have sex three times a week. And you got to wear your sexy high heels and lingerie every now and then oh just God. to keep them going. Yeah. And I'm sitting here in my granny panties like hung over. And I was like, you know what? I respect that. Wonder why I can't be in a gun. Why can't I be in a gun? I want to finally end this. What piece of advice would you give to people who are going through hell on keep, coping with their hell? Keep going. That old Winston Churchill. That cannot top that. So mm -hmm. I'll borrow it. Mm hmm you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but even if you're in hell, keep going. Yeah, if you're going through hell, keep going. There's literally, I mean, there's, you can try and finagle and you'll, if you want to walk in circles, guess what? You're going to be in hell longer. Mm -hmm. Just keep plugging through. Never, ever, another Winston Churchill. Never, ever, ever give up. I also think when you talk about the universe and how we're all connected, <clears throat> everyone's moving. Yeah. Nothing stays the same. The molecules in this room are moving. Yeah. Nothing is forever. So as long as you keep going, you have no idea what the future holds. Would you ever envision that when you were 21, you know, getting hammered every night, that you'd be sitting here with no. a family, with a, basically a tech company, I could go so far as to say? Yeah, no, never, ever. I, I mean, honestly, somebody asked me recently what my ultimate goal is with mm -hmm. Thanks Good News. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not even going to limit myself like that. I'm just going to keep going. I, love, I hate when people go, what are your five-year plans? And I was like, that's limiting. Yeah. For me to even say a goal. You, don't, you, don't, you know how when Tank's Good News happened? Can you <laughs> explain Tank Good News for people who don't know who are listening? So at Brandfire, mm -hmm. Jesse Itzler is a partner at Brandfire. Jesse Itzler is married to Sarah Blakely from Spanx. He owned Marquee Jets. The Atlanta Very Hawks cool. is a beast. He's cool. a fucking one of the best. I had him on the podcast. I didn't one know the that. Greatest people ever. Just a liver, a hardcore life smasher in every way we were sitting there and we were doing good Brandfire was doing great mm -hmm. Tank Sinatra was doing great mm -hmm. <clears throat> he goes I don't even think you guys have had your best idea yet and like two months later Tank's Good News was born now you could say that at any time to anybody like, but for some reason when he said it that time it opened me up and I was like man anything could happen at any time you never know also you could have literally just been so happy with what you have but he has such a big vision for things. Yeah, he's huge. like, like some people would be like, "This is incredible that I even have an, a meme account with a million followers." He's like, "That's cute." Yeah. What else you got? Yeah, limitless. Limitless. So, Tank's good news was just my answer to the current state of what I think is the media. Obviously, everyone has a different interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. I think they, I think they're fear mongers, but I think they're giving the people what they want. Whether they actually would say they want it or not, when you click on a link that's sensational or fearful or or violent or whatever, you're telling them, yes, give me more of this. When you retweet a sensational or violent article, you're telling them, we like this stuff. You should post more of and this. And fear can really control people. Oh, yeah. But that's not I don't I don't go so high level as to say like the government runs the media and the government wanna scare it and mm -hmm. the media is I, the tool. I think it could be simple as money. Like it's money. If you get more clicks on those things, you're gonna do it more. It's money and eyeballs. And it's also feedback. Like what happened, like people whatever with Trump. Trump went out there, said some crazy shit. Mm -hmm. People went berserk. So if you're him, what are you gonna do the next time you go out? The same thing. Either say the same level of craziness. Or if you're an or, ambitious person like he is, you're going to say even crazier <laughs> shit. Yeah. Tank's good news on Instagram just says positive news that you see that brings people joy. Yeah. It's like what went right today. Holy basically. shit. What an idea. Yeah. Because there's a lot. That How went right. do you get any trolls on it? Uh, the trolls are, I think, probably well-intentioned, but just too ignorant to know that they're trolls. Okay. Yeah. Like... <laughs> In my last podcast, I talked about vagina shaming and some girl messaged me and said, how dare you just talk about vagina shaming and not penis shaming? There's such a double standard. And I'm like, dude, we're talking about labiaplasties. Like this wasn't about guys in that yeah. conversation. No, so, some people mean well, but then they like 
The no, negative. The what about people drive me nuts. The, the what about, well, what about and Then this? again, like, that's perspective. It's hey, like, hey, I didn't have time to go into details about how dicks get judged. Or not, not what about. I posted that three days ago. You fucking more like, <laughs> oh God. I want to, if possible, not that I'm so cool. Yeah. But I want to make. But being, you have an influence. I want to make being nice cool. Not yeah. weak. Not like. Yeah. Every time I think of somebody who's like, you know, influential in this space, they're like, oh, oh namaste. I'm going to eat granola and uh-huh. comb my ponytail. Uh-huh. Like, I don't want, I'm never going to be that guy. Yeah. I'm a fucking meathead. Well, you're also, you're kind of like a blue collar dude yeah. from Long Island. Totally. Who happens to have the influence that like top celebrities have. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, I just made your beautiful head really big right now but i want to thank you so much for coming to hell <laughs> and guys go check out tank sinatra tank dot sinatra check out tanks good news check out his website check out think tank my episode on it is like the best one he's ever done most high, highest rated and i'll talk to you guys later bye bye <laughs>